Good morning. This is Real Estate for Breakfast podcast, and I'm your host, Phil Coover of Shank Annis Tepper Campbell. The Real Estate for Breakfast podcast is a Chicago-centric commercial real estate podcast utilizing attorneys, finance, and real estate professionals to create thoughtful commentary on current real estate issues. Today, we have another extremely interesting interview with Donna Salvatore. Just a little background on Donna. Donna has a 37-year track record of successfully launching, growing new business in data analytics and technology, with 22 years as the CEO of a number of different SAAS and IT companies. Before founding Megalytics, she was group CEO of Techniche Australia, managing a global portfolio of IT companies located in the UK, Germany, and Australia, as well as doing M&A work. Prior to that, she was the CEO of an early-stage healthcare company and healthcare population management and medical homes. Prior to that, she was the CEO of artificial intelligence knowledge management company with the focus on CRM. She has an MBA from the University of Chicago and a BS in chemical engineering from Case Western University. She is a fascinating person to speak with. I think you'll find her extremely knowledgeable, and I know that you'll enjoy this conversation. Donna is the CEO and co-founder of a company called Megalytics. And Megalytics is, I first got cued into this company by one of the investors in this tech company. And they are taking massive data and applying data analytics to real estate investing, real estate ownership, real estate management, and all really all aspects of commercial real estate and I'm just interested in the data analytics movement in general, both starting from seeing its application in sports to now seeing it in all sorts of different fields. So we had Donna come on, and she's just a fascinating person to speak with. We ended up talking for over an hour after the podcast is over just about various different things. And it what they're doing is they're working with a lot of the big players in the commercial real estate industry because everyone is trying to get an edge right now. The real estate industry is so hyper-competitive that if you can find an edge over your competitors to selecting a better product or uh, purchasing a better parcel of real estate, it's going to work out better for you long-term. If there's any way to foresee the future or apply data people are going to start listening to that data. And so this company is fascinating. They have a lot of different uh, approaches and products that they're able to showcase and use for commercial real estate professionals. And, you know, let's just hear Donna explain what they do. I think that you'll find it interesting. I think that you'll find that there's a lot of different applications for it. And we will get started with that interview in just a moment. But we would also like to say thank you to all of our listeners for all of your comments and uh, all of your feedback on iTunes because we really appreciate everything that you do and telling all of your friends to listen to the podcast. It's really helping. We're just we're growing every month. It's incredible, and we really appreciate all of that. So if you want to get in touch with us, if you if you are interested in being a speaker, if you Want to learn more about a topic? Email us at solutioncenter at satcltd.com or by visiting our website, realestatebreakfast.com. We should also mention this podcast is produced by SATC Solution Center L3C, 
which is the Education and Development Division of the law firm Shank Annis Tepper Campbell, LTD. I'm a principal and attorney at the firm. Next up, our interview with Donna Salvatore of Megalytics. Enjoy. Good morning. This is Real Estate for Breakfast podcast. I'm your host, Philip Coover, and I'm here today with Donna Salvatore of Megalytics. Donna, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Phil. Great to be here. Uh, Donna, why don't we just start with uh, your explanation of Megalytics. Just tell us it is a general overview, and then we'll, we'll get into it a little bit. Uh, yeah, sure. Thanks, Phil. We uh, started Megalytics uh, three or four years ago to really uh, identify and combine uh, new and unique data sets, which would be relevant relevant for the commercial real estate industry and allow uh, key decision makers in real estate to be able to make better, faster, quicker decisions all along the investment life cycle from whether even looking at core investment strategies to understanding better a location or property to acquisition, development of that property, to leasing out the space, looking at tenants to better understand if they're viable tenants in the long run, whether they're retail or industrial or office, and then uh, looking at the disposition and portfolio management as well. So we have been at the forefront uh, in doing, uh, combining hundreds of data sets to solve specific problems in real estate. And we were the first, I was the first person, I believe, to come up with a uh, actual score for is this a, a viable uh, business, a viable tenant, a viable property, and a viable uh, transaction. Yeah, so um, thank you for that explanation. I have so many questions. I'm very interested oh, okay. in, in big data and analytics because right. I think it's also the way that law is going to go eventually as well because we need to get a little sharper on that path. But I was just wondering, mm-hmm. um, first, the, mm-hmm. let's talk about your your score that mm-hmm. you come up with. Mm-hmm. And when I was looking at it, um, it I kind of thought about a credit score that people use for individuals. Mm-hmm. Is that um, something that you're doing for businesses is just to come up with, with a score for how viable that mm-hmm. business is? Right. So a basic credit score for an individual that looks at, uh, you know, how well you pay your bills, what's your behavior in terms of uh, staying on top of your bills, and, uh, you know, it's all about what kind of credit line you can offer to a business or an individual. The credit score is one small component of what we do, uh, an actual credit score. So we have a lot of... We do a full-blown analysis of the financial statements, and we have the most robust uh, business performance benchmarking database to say how well is this fitness center doing versus other fitness centers in a certain area. Uh, We also look at the industry, how attractive is the industry. We pull in, uh, we check the company for uh, global watch list. We check over 1,200 different global watch lists and 30,000 different adverse media sources to see if there's uh, any individual at the company or there's any concerns, if it's a debarred business uh, 
at the state or government level. They've been debarred from any kind of government agency for doing business. We look at SOS feeds, which is Secretary of State, to see if they're in good standing or to see if they're filed for, if they're delinquent. Uh, we look at all kinds of social media feeds and news feeds. Uh, we also uh, score the local economy if it's a uh, service business or retail. We're very concerned about the neighborhood they're in, so we look at the local economy. Um, and we combine all this. We auto-generate we auto uh, red flags and positive points about the business that can result in a potential dialogue between the landlord and the tenant. Um, it can uncover further risk. Uh, we do full background checks on the company and the individuals, um, if it's a smaller company, including uh, you know criminal records or liens and judgments. If there's been any, any bankruptcies in the past, um, we look at how well the company pays their bills. We look at um, uh, trade lines, uh, both financial and non-financial trade lines, to see what kind of behavior can be discerned from that. And all of that rolls up into this score. And it's, you know, it's a dynamic score. It's also very granular, so a law firm in Detroit might have a different view than a law firm in Silicon Valley. So right. it's all about, you know, geography, geography of jobs, income, employment, employment levels, type of employment. Um, and we score, we also have a product in retail. We have a retail analytics product that goes uh, even further into understanding what's going on at a retail store. For example, we are uh, connected into a satellite-based GPS system that tracks 300 million uh, vehicles and phones. And we can tell who might go into a shopping center and who uh, might shop there, who might visit the shopping center, and then we use other data from a credit card feeds to see who is shopping at that shopping center. So we've really combined some interesting data sets to look at things in a, in a unique way. This is awesome. I, I have so many questions <laughs> to go from here. Well, okay. One thing that I really like is um, a lot of commercial landlords, mm -hmm. um, there's a question as to, so mm -hmm. it's basically a security. I mean, you're mm -hmm. not a security in the sense of a stock or a bond, but it's a mm -hmm. it's a loan transaction. When mm -hmm. you're a landlord and you're trying to identify mm -hmm. what tenant should be in your business mm -hmm. um, or should be in your shopping center, it's mm -hmm. essentially a loan transaction. You are saying, I'm going to pay the mortgage, I'm going to own the property, and I am investing in you, company, to take over my space. And I mm -hmm. think that there's a huge uh, value to analyzing it as a loan Mm -hmm. and oh, yeah, as, as a debt yeah. instrument because mm -hmm. um, so I like all of this data because it's allowing landlords mm -hmm. to do their due diligence and to underwrite this process so you know when you think about the dollars that are at stake in major commercial mm -hmm. shopping centers and what kind of uh, the monetary values that you're putting on these leases mm -hmm. if you were to total them all up through the extent of their lease term you know, these are massive loans essentially that are being given out and they should be underwritten as such so if you can get this kind of information um, to pull everything together to help companies make better decisions and to analyze uh, what they have what their potential tenant is going to be then and understand who they're doing business with I think that's that's fantastic
And, yeah, and it is, it is a loan in the sense that you're, in many cases, making a fairly substantial capital outlay in terms of tenant improvements, in terms of rent abatement, in terms of, uh, you know, commissions paid to, um, to lend to the different brokers. But even in some cases, it's more risky than a loan because you may not be 100%, you know, there's midnight movers. You aren't 100% right. collateralized unless you figure out a way to get the right security deposit or letter of credit on your lease and how that's going to burn down. So there is, and if you do, uh, you know, a seven-year industrial loan or 10, 15-year industrial loan, seven-year retail, you might have a situation where you have a rent abatement. So that makes it, you know, even it's like an interest-free loan or no loan payment. So it could be even, you know, even riskier. Um, there are even uh, situations, I think, in real estate where, especially in retail, with all the stores closing, we've estimated, uh, we went through every store closing this year by mall, by retail category, added up all the square footage and calculated the lost rent from that. And it was in the in the billions, you know, three right. or four billion dollars in lost rent just this year in store closings and bankruptcies. So uh, there's uh, there's a lot of scrambling to find out. You know, if I have four malls and I've got, you know, JCPenney, Sears, uh, Macy's and Nordstrom's as my anchor tenants, then I'm scrambling to figure out what to do with it. If I have Kohl's and Kohl's is shutting down one third of their stores, um, there's cross cross tenant leasing things, as you know, because you yes. do this, where uh, you know a yeah. TJ Maxx could have a reduced rent because Kohl's is shutting down. So right. it's not just the actual loan; it's related loans, related tenants as well. So. Uh, yeah. So, well, just for the listeners, a co-tenancy clause means mm -hmm. that if mm -hmm. a shopping center has three or four anchors and two mm -hmm. of those anchors, like let's call it Sears and H.H. Gregg, since that just went through bankruptcy, uh, go out of their business, mm -hmm. that might trigger other leases have provisions that say that these tenants mm -hmm. can, the other tenants can either leave if some of these anchors go or they have reduced rents. So it's not just the loss of the one tenant. There's a, there's a ripple effect that impacts the entire shopping center. Um, so do landlords engage you on specific projects? So they say, here's what we're looking at. Here's what we're looking at doing. This is the type of tenant. Uh, could you provide us with a very specific analysis as to this transaction? Or are they do asking you for more global information? I don't mean global as in terms of global, but I just mean like general information. But it seems like you get pretty specific on potential tenants. Right. Yeah, they would ask for a specific tenant at a specific location. We just did the Red Bull uh, distribution company for a new warehouse in the south. So they might look at, you know, what can you tell us about Red Bull distribution company? Or we did an industrial tenant uh, that had a lot, billions of dollars of debt. So uh, Payless had a lot of debt, and now they filed bankruptcy. So it's a big concern right. when they see these big debt numbers a lot of leverage on the balance sheet. So uh, there's many situations where we'll look at, you know, the guarantor on the lease as well, where, you know, should I guarantee with this parent company in the U.S., or is there a better guarantor that's overseas, and how does that impact my valuation? So uh, there's a lot of moving parts, you know, in terms of 
who's the who's the tenant. There's a lot of in retail. There's a lot of legal and a lot of companies. There's a lot of legal entities, as you know. Thank yeah. you for creating this. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we work. It's like you know, it's not the parent company that's guaranteeing it. It's the individual locations, right? right? So that makes it a very risky analysis and risky situation where you you have to look at the family tree and all the different legal entities to figure out uh, where there's some assets that you can go after if something were to happen so um, so it's it makes it risky when you have just a single legal entity at one location and you're betting everything on that location so you really have to deep dive into what's going on in that location it makes your that component of the analysis even more important. Is this store going to survive? Do we need, uh, you know, there's you know 24 CrossFits in this area. Do we need another one? Is it going to shut down? What's the traffic? Is there construct? You know, so you have to look at everything going on with that store. Sure, sure. Um, so yeah, a lot of brokers will think or landlords mm -hmm. will think, hey, I just got National Retailer X. To sign up for my lease, that's great. But what they don't realize is that they didn't get National Retailer X. They got National National Retailer X, uh, Illinois at Naperville, comma LLC, which is an entity they just created yesterday, and there's nothing there. So, you know, that's where having good counsel and, and mm -hmm. using a company like Megalytics to help you analyze the transaction would be. Uh, beneficial so you can identify some guarantors so that you're not just sitting there with National Retailer X, Illinois, and Naperville, comma, LLC as your, your sole recourse in the event of default. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of commercial litigation as well as transactional work, mm -hmm. so I've done a lot of commercial evictions. And so mm -hmm. I get to the point where I represent landlords and we've now evicted the, the national retailer or even the, the mom and pop shop. And I, I'm, I'm asked to do a lot of this work, but the problem is, is that um, access to the information is one thing. And so I can look for assets and judgments um, and lien searches, but the problem that I think that uh, a lot of people have is when you ask an attorney to do this, what you're relying on in the legal field is the single source expert problem, mm -hmm. which means you're saying, Phil, you're the expert in this field, you do this all the time, give us an estimate as to what our recovery can be. But that's challenging because you're relying mm -hmm. on my mm -hmm. personal experience. And not just me, any attorney, mm -hmm. really, and sure they can ask other attorneys in their office, but I think it would be this is why I'm so interested in big data for legal because I think eventually it would be wonderful to say, you know, here's my opinion based on my experiences, but here's also the odds of recovery based upon these statistics or this information um, that's available in similar circumstances. So you're not relying on that that single source expert problem because with any, you know, you have cognitive biases, you have all sorts of problems that arise when you rely on a single person they could be overvaluing risk. They could be undervaluing certain risks. The data is nice to have. Yeah, we run into this issue all the time. We call it cognitive dissonance, where you are thinking, I have a perception of what's going on, but I have one data point. And reality is over here, and I have 25 data points. But I have to get to those data points, and I need them now to make my case and to have all the information at my fingertips. So. Um, and that is what we are trying to collect and amass on a national basis. So we have a lot of information already on mm -hmm. a number of lease transactions and 
Um, we are every day doing more and more very interesting uh, analysis on our data, metadata, so yeah. our, our analytics to see where uh, what the trends are. So um, it's been very interesting. I always find it hard um, to evaluate the local mom-and-pop mm -hmm. restaurants, or not just restaurants, mm -hmm. mom-and-pop stores, just because you don't have mm -hmm. the information like you do with the national retailers. Um, you, you really only, they may not have a long track record, mm -hmm. Or you really, even if they have been in business for 20 years, you're just relying on, you really just have that single location to look at. Maybe they're looking mm -hmm. to expand. Maybe they have two or three locations, looking to expand to a few more. Um, how do you try to evaluate the, the tenants that don't have a lot of information that's out there? Or does that mm -hmm. simply negatively affect their score? I mean, if you can't get some of the information. You right, can't. so with the small mom and pop businesses, um, there's several things you can do. Uh, one thing is to, if they're asking for a large TI, we ran a situation where uh, it was a restaurant that was looking for $4 million in TIs. And for the square footage, it was like, you know, this ridiculous $500 a square foot. But we had done so many other restaurants that we knew the TIs were much less, you know, no more than $60 a square foot. So we were able to say that this doesn't make sense, you know. So you can red flag, things like that. For the small uh, mom and pop, we oftentimes get uh, their tax returns. Uh, we look at bank accounts, personal financial statements. Uh, we look at, we do full black background checks on the individuals. Uh, we look for, you know, their credit history, their personal credit. And uh, we also, um, in some situations, um, you know, we're able to get um, information on there. How many other, you know, I'm opening an Italian restaurant here. How many other Italian restaurants are in the area? What are the total sales for the area? How many have shut down? We have business startup and shutdown information. So I could say, you know, 10 Italian restaurants started in this neighborhood, but nine of them have shut down. So the, there's nail salons or mattress tours, you know, you get a lot of these businesses that come and go and restaurants um, you know we get a, we do a lot of restaurants uh, chain restaurants quick serve restaurants and uh, you know there are certain things you can check for with the um, getting in terms of like do I get who's the best guarantor if you got a deep pocket behind it um, we look for the guarantors and we do a full-blown evaluation on the guarantors so a lot of times it's somebody starting a business but you know a relative that has a lot of money or a friend somebody's guaranteeing that business so uh, we try to, to you know analyze as much as we can in terms of one or two or sometimes three guarantors there could be seven guarantors so we have to do an analysis on everything now all of this sounds like a lot of work but it's all automated. So um, with some basic information, a lot of this can be presented and scored and ranked you know, fairly quickly. Yeah, and one thing yeah. I wanted to mention is it seems like a lot of the information that you're pulling is analogous mm -hmm. to a credit report. And I would just say that uh, do you rely on the landlords to get, you're not allowed to pull a credit report for just any reason whatsoever. I don't want to get into what I don't want to be deemed giving advice to the public here on when you when you are and aren't allowed to pull credit mm -hmm. reports. Mm -hmm. But do you just rely on your clients mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. get the appropriate approvals from these potential mm -hmm. guarantors to pull a 
the credit reports? Yeah, individual credit reports, you need permission, you need a written form, you need authorization according to the regulations, as you know. For business credit reports, uh, you know, those are, you know, we pull those real time. We pull all the different credit reports. Um, you know, the credit reports, uh, business credit score is, uh, you know, if you look at days beyond terms, the big companies out there, you know, they don't pay on, they don't have to pay on time. So it's a little bit of a, you know, you'll get a different score if you're just looking at days beyond terms. Uh, so there's a lot, there's a whole hour and a half I can talk about credit reports and all the different ones, but yeah. business credit reports, individual credit reports, but we've hooked into every credit agency to, to pull data and analyze it. So. Um, and it's they're all they're all over the place. They're all different. I mean, there's just so much variability in the quality of the information that you get. Sure. And sure. a lot of it has to do because there's so many legal entities. You know, there's there could be, in some cases be two thousand different legal entities that that are all related. So you have to understand when you pull a credit report. Sometimes they go up or down a level. They go down a level. They they don't always get the right name of the company. I mean, we did a company yeah. that had, um, I'm gonna call, I don't wanna list the name of the company, but there was there was the company, call it uh, Sam's Consulting, Can Sam's Consulting Inc., Sam's Consulting LLC. There were so many different variations of it, and I think the credit reports don't always get the right, you, you, you filter it with the, you know, the address, but some of these had like five or six addresses in New York. Then you filter it down to the street, but they, they don't always get the right legal entity. And right. that's where you're looking at the credit, is that the legal entity. Understood. One, one other question I have for you is, um, I get where you're pulling publicly available mm -hmm. information. Like right mm -hmm. now, I, I can pull, I can mm -hmm. look at the, the OFAC list, I can pull asset mm -hmm. judgment, or I can pull judgment lien searches, Difficult for me to mm -hmm. identify mm -hmm. assets. It's got to be a real property or a car or something that's registered on a, on a, mm -hmm. with a governmental entity or available in public records. Um, but where are you getting information like mm -hmm. tenant improvement allowances for comparable centers? Because in the commercial real estate, there people are mm -hmm. kind of private about information and disclosures. Well, that's uh, the tenant improvements, the TIs, it's all in our database. So every time we do a lease uh, analysis, we'll, we'll add, we capture all the lease information, and we know the base rents and all the rent escalations and the CAM and all of the information about the property and the lease, and that includes tenant improvements, uh, whether it's custom and tenant improvements or whether it's you know universal tenant improvements. And uh, we... Uh, We've been capturing that for four or five years. Yeah, so your so database is the database, one that's ever increasing, right, always our growing, always right. learning. Yes, our database is, uh, is you know, we capture two or 300 fields on lease and property and five or six, seven, nine hundred. I was a lot. I didn't ever edit it up. I probably should, but there's quite a bit of data we capture on every transaction. I would say over a thousand fields. So. See, so... This, make, this is making me feel a little bit better because I was listening to this podcast that was uh, talking about big data and law, and it was talking about how some law firms are starting to data mine and starting mm -hmm. to gather information about contracts. You might have a 40-page contract, and then somebody might want to know, is mm -hmm. that term or provision a market provision, meaning is it mm -hmm. available? Mm -hmm. Is it commonplace in the market to be asking for that? Because they don't want to ask for something that might be a rare thing to ask for unless they have a really specific reason to do so. And 
their other law firms are data mining to try to come up with information that they're seeing, like lease terms and that sort of thing. But when I heard that law firms are doing this and that law firms need to get ahead of it, what I was kind of thinking is there's got to be a third party out there that's going to be doing this better than mm-hmm. a law firm. And that <clears throat> sounds like megalytics or, Yeah, you know, no, there's, so, yeah, there, that comes up quite a bit. Right. Um, digitizing leases and capturing the information, and they're all different. And there are companies out there, part of the real estate, real estate blockchain technology is to have, you know, at the core, the smart lease, you know. So this is something that uh, can be created. Uh, there are companies that are doing this that can be created to, uh, you know, from the start, uh, based on, you know, the basic uh, business terms of the lease and the CCNR, all the, uh, you know, negative uh, covenants and restrictions to mm-hmm. build the lease and all the co-tenancies and everything, all, it'll all be in a database and you enter that data once. You don't have to enter it into your accounting system and your property management and all of the different systems that are out there. So that's part of the core building block of a um, blockchain. So I would, and I would think in law, there was probably a, a blockchain conference that you should go to or have been to. That yeah, be I'm going to have so, one of the blockchain um, proponents come on the podcast to tell that's great. the world about it. That's so, wonderful. I think um, that's awesome. Yeah, I was I actually just... I'll have to listen to that one. <laughs> to, I'll, I'll be sure to send it to you. I'm, yeah. I'm really excited about it. I think it's, it's fascinating. And, yeah. um, but I just... I know that law firms are starting to data mine, mm-hmm. but I just feel like there's got to be the third-party companies mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. are focusing on that that are going to be better mm-hmm. at it than law firms. Law firms are going to they're able to do a lot of different things, but mm-hmm. the com- companies that focus on data mining, coming up mm-hmm. with these systems, mm-hmm. um, aggregating that information, they're going to be better at it just because they're going to be focused on it. Um, how does your your cost structure work? You don't have to tell us your pricing, but just like how does it how does it work if a landlord wanted to use Megalytics? If a landlord uh, would like to buy any of our products or services, they can uh, uh, log into our portal and they can order any report they want online, and it can be uh, delivered to them online. Um, we also allow them to um, sign up for a subscription model so they can pay. A fixed amount per year based on the number and types of reports that they think they would be ordering. So that's that's one model. Um, for people who just want to try it, you know, pay as you go, um, we're open to that as well. A lot of the landlords will have the uh, prop, it'll be paid out of the deal or be paid out of the property management system. So they want to take that invoice and submit it there. So there's some flexibility in how we work with the different uh, institutional owners of real estate. Right. Well, what besides evaluating potential tenants uh, for potential mm-hmm. leasing transactions, you know, what other applications does Megalytics have? Well, we um, have a, have developed a very robust product in uh, two vertical markets. One is in retail; it's our retail analytics product, and the other one is office; it's our office analytics product. You know, we're all moving to this. Uh, mixed-use, uh, work-play-live community concept. So it's no longer at all. You look at WeWork. It's like people hang out right. there. It's a fun place to be. Yeah. So, um, you know, office buildings are changing. So 
uh, what we call place analytics. Uh, is this a good place? Is this a cool place? And why is it a cool place? So we look at amenities and we look at all the different things where the job co job creation is, what type of jobs. The uh, We look at a lot of the commute patterns. Uh, we can tell how far people commute. Is this location better than this location because of commute patterns? Um, is is you know where what, what is the talent heat pull? What does the talent uh, heat map look like around an office area? So there's all kinds of things you can look yeah. at to say, you know, this is great. Look at the amenities here. You know, I have a dog lounge or dog park or whatever they they want to have. I have fitness center whatever they want in that building. So um, that's where office is going and retail is in this big tumultuous period now where um, people are, there's, we do a lot of work with acquisitions. Um, I would say more of what we do today is acquisitions and retail analytics. Um, but people are making an acquisition of a, a retail shopping center um, and two of the tenants are moving out, big tenants. What should they do? So they would like to know that before they make the acquisition. So what are the retail categories um, in the area that are in supply, that, are, that are, are in demand, that there's a lack of supply. So kind of a gap analysis on the specific location to determine which retail tenants, what are the shoppers, where are they coming from? Uh, all of this information about, you know, what are the profitable segments, you know, how much is going to e-commerce, all this retail um, information can be used to really drill down and understand, you know, especially looking in the co-tenancy, what can be put into vacancies, what's the square footage, and um, that is that's something that people are looking for upfront when they do acquisitions, uh, or people that have an existing shopping center and they're trying to figure out. And we've looked at, we've done malls, neighborhood centers, we've done, you know, lifestyle, we've done all kinds of different retail concepts, single standalone, single tenant leases. Um, and really, uh, it's a very robust tool because we use hundreds of data sources to come up with the solutions there. Yeah, that, so a couple of things I was thinking about while you were talking there is landlords can use it to identify whether they think a tenant is going mm -hmm. to be successful, but they can also mm -hmm. use it to figure out what to buy. We talked about the acquisitions, mm -hmm. like do I want to buy this shopping center, this office building, what's the surrounding area like? But then they could also take that same information and use it as a marketing tool. If you're trying to attract a mm -hmm. tenant, if you're a broker that reps, mm -hmm. represents mm -hmm. a big shopping center or a big office building mm -hmm. in downtown Chicago or the West Loop, you could, mm -hmm. if you're trying to pitch some business right. to come mm -hmm. lease from you, mm -hmm. you could say, look at this, look how many people are in the surrounding area, look at all of these different factors. This is why you should lease your space right here in our building. So yeah, there's, you know, choosing why to buy it, who you should rent from, but also as a marketing tool, might be mm -hmm. help generate revenue. Right, it's kind of, we do a lot of site selection for retailers, um, for developers who are working with retailers, so it tells you that this is a good uh, site, and we match the site selection criteria characteristics. Um, we just did a Yolk restaurant that was uh, going into Milwaukee and looked at, uh, you know, what are the characteristics of the area that would make it attractive for a good location? And there was like 10 different parameters. And uh, I can't give that out. But so we yeah. collect a lot of site selection information. And then when we're looking for a tenant, we match that up. And we will go to the landlord and say, this tenant would be ideal for this space. And this is why. 
it meets the square footage. There's a retail gap analysis. There's a right buyer, you know, there's right shopper demographics. This is a trade area. This is this is what uh, people are looking for. This is what's in demand. These are categories that have done well. These are unsaturated categories, uh, like within the mall or within the area. And uh, this is uh, this is what you can put in here based on restrictions as well. And this is the economics of the deal. Can you tell us a little bit about I'm gonna transition a little bit, but I I'm just this is such a curious intersection of mm -hmm. IT information technology and real estate. Mm -hmm. How did the company get going? I, I've read about your company having a lot of success at the 1871 program, and just uh, how did your company come together? Yeah, our company was uh, uh, founded because there were there was a a, a, a gentleman that came to work for us that had been doing all of these assessments manually for the past uh, 12 or 15 years, I mean a long time, and he could never turn around the quality of assessment he wanted um, within a good time frame. And you can't say like, you know, I'll give it to you next month or two weeks, you need it like immediately the next day. So we're able to turn around a very robust, very comprehensive, uh, very meaningful assessment in less than a day so um, we, we you know we'll get five orders a day and the next day they'll go out so uh, we have a fulfillment team uh, you know that's we use the dual shore concept which means we have uh, fulfillment onshore and offshore and we have development onshore and offshore so we're always continuously building and adding data sources and features to our platform but we're also uh, doing the same thing in the fulfillment area what does onshore and offshore mean? Well, offshore <laughs> is, let's say our development team is offshore in India or yeah. some location where there's a cost advantage. Um, onshore means you need to have the team here that can manage it. So okay. I call it, well, dual shore. That's yeah, dual I like shore. it. Okay. No, I, I like it a lot. I'm... The other thing we do, too, is uh, rent roll. Uh, we analyze a rent roll for an acquisition. We'll analyze this, what's the quality of the rent roll. If you're buying a, uh, if you're doing an acquisition, the first thing that you need to know is what is the quality of the material tenants in this building? You know, if their leases are expiring um, or if, if they're not expiring and if it's a poor quality, these are all ways to rebalance your portfolio. Uh, we also are now doing portfolio analysis um, and that is looking at the, uh, the NOI overall for the portfolio and Today, if you have a tenant that is giving you notice that they're vacating the property two years before they vacate, you have to value that asset in a lower value because you're, you don't have that NOI anymore. So right. it's very important to understand the likelihood that a tenant will renew or default or, or not renew. And that's something we're working on right now with these predictive scores that will have a predictive score coming out very soon for tenant default and another one for tenant renewal. Fantastic. Um, you've given us so much to think about. Oh, this is well, so wonderful. Is there anything so else you wanted to say about Megalytics? So we're going to have to mm -hmm. have you come back, though, to give that hour and a half on credit score oh, reporting. Oh, that's, um, <laughs> that's over beer, I think. <laughs> uh, that, that's an interesting discussion. Um, yeah, I, th I think it's an exciting area to, to be in, and I think, you know, big data and, you know, real estate and really understanding 
there's a lot of data out there, but really being able to interpret it and understand how to apply it and use it is is more important than ever. And we just have diminishing, you know, time frames to accomplish, you know, and it's just going to speed up probably. So, I completely agree. I feel that way about a lot of different subject matters. I think that uh, what you're doing mm -hmm. is is really mm -hmm. interesting. And I really mm -hmm. thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Okay, Thanks thank for you. discussing this. And uh, I think there's mm -hmm. a lot of applications for it. So. Okay, very good. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Donna. Right, take care. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guests. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any